This is Boss Tone Radio, talk for guitar players, presented by BossUS.com. Hey, this is Paul Hansen. Welcome to the 24th edition of Boss Tone Radio. Today, we're going into the metal genre with a really good guitarist as our guest, Jeff Loomis. Jeff is a shredder extraordinaire, and he's a solo artist, but he's also a member of the really good metal band, Nevermore. Let's listen to a little bit of Jeff, and then we'll get him on the phone. This one's from Jeff's solo album called Zero Order Phase. Um, Here's some excerpts from Jado Unit. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Paul. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. Uh, waiting for maybe some sunshine. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, I heard you're living in Seattle. Is that true? Where I live is, if you go out and look at Mount Rainier, I'm right on the other side. You're on the other side of Mount Rainier. <laughs> yeah, I live near White Pass, the ski oh, area. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You must have a great uh, a great view. <laughs> it's like uh, the Bigfoot kind of capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, well, exactly. Yeah. That is really cool, man. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been living here since 91, so I I definitely call Seattle home. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Right, I read that. Oh. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to finally uh get to talk with you, man. Oh, great to talk to you too. Well, I did a little research last night and went mm-hmm. on to your uh your MySpace and uh man, you've done a lot of really cool things, man. I just really realized. So, uh that, that's really that's really awesome and I well, thank your music on there too. Yeah, very cool. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, I read when you were 16, living in Wisconsin, you won a Wisconsin Guitar Wars contest. That's correct, yeah. I, um, you know, I didn't really want to do it, but my father <laughs> insisted. He's like, you, you should give this a shot, you know, see what happens, you know, what, what can happen. You can lose and no big deal, you can try again. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I literally just, I submitted some kind of uh, tape with a guitar solo that I did at a local studio down the street. And uh, the judges liked it, and they said, hey, come on down. We want you to be a part of this contest. And uh, I actually ended up uh, winning the thing. So I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I got to go home with a brand-new yellow Fender Stratocaster and an amp and a whole bunch of you know wow. strings and all that stuff. And my dad was pretty proud of me. So. Wow, that's <laughs> it was, pretty it cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was a good memory, you know. And uh, <laughs> 
kind of made me want to practice even more and just, you know, do even better at guitar. Kind of a cool thing to remember, yeah. Do you still have that yellow Strat? I don't, unfortunately, no. I ended up teaching guitar lessons at a local music store back in Wisconsin, and I think I traded it in for, like, a, like a Jackson or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or a more high, hybrid metal guitar, you know? Yeah. The, the metal kit that I was. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be cool to have all the guitars back that we've owned over the years it would be excellent because i've owned quite a few cool and unique uh, instruments i remember one of my very very first guitars that i had was a pvt 15 huh. and uh, the funny thing was is that it was kind of a small scale guitar for like more like a kid you know uh, easier for a kid to hold but the funny thing was about the, the guitar is that inside of the guitar amp there were, <laughs> inside of the, i just gave it away inside of the guitar case was a little miniature amp that was right into the case i remember that <laughs> you remember those <laughs> well i remember a guitar in the 50s that had that you know the amp in the case thing i don't remember the pv oh, okay. one that you had <laughs> yeah it was it was really interesting man i just yeah. uh, you know i just had my case and i plugged it right in and just went for it but uh, it would be <laughs> cool to still have that you know to give it to your kid or something like that oh you know? yeah yeah i had a, a few other guitars i had a a strat i had a like a couple of little classical guitars and stuff out that, that would still be cool to have um yeah. you know but unfortunately as time goes on you know you end up getting rid of that stuff and yeah unfortunate back in wisconsin did you take lessons or did you go to some kind of music school or how did you get good enough at 16 to win a guitar wars contest well i started not a lot of people know, but I actually started playing drums at first. My, my dad bought me a three-piece Ludwig old jazz drum set, and I just started playing along with records. And, you know, my dad had a huge, huge collection of all these awesome 70s records like Queen, Fleetwood Mac, the Doobie Brothers, stuff like that. And I would just wow. jam along to it. And I think that's what gave me a good sense of rhythm and stuff like that. But uh, I quickly became frustrated with the drums just because it, I couldn't really go anywhere with it, you know? And I saw that my dad had a, an old classical guitar lying around the house, and uh, I picked it up, and inside the guitar case was this book called Mel Bay Book One. And I had that I literally one. just started... You have that one, too? Yeah. <laughs> I think every guitarist has gone through that book, but uh, I just, you know, literally started working on learning the basic chords and stuff like that, and... After that, I ended up joining a group guitar lesson class, oh. and I, I didn't know, but I was already advanced pretty fast, you know, at that time, where I, I could easily, you know, play chords very quickly and stuff, so mm -hmm. little did I know, I was helping the teacher at that point show other people how to play chords, so that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> after that, I maybe took a few uh, lessons from local teachers, but just didn't really learn too much. I found that... Most of my style and technique just came from myself with just listening to records, like old Van Halen records and stuff like that. Right. I guess I was pretty much blessed with having a good ear because I would be watching TV or something with my father and have my guitar in my hands and a commercial would come on and I'd be able to like replicate the music really quickly. And he's like, man, how did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was just <laughs> something that uh, I guess uh, I was very lucky to have. But uh, I spent the next, you know, five years just really listening to... You know, Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes. Uh -huh. um, of course, when Ingve came in, you know, to the picture, that's when it all changed for me. That's when I just, you know, closed my doors and locked myself in and just tried to get as good as him. Um, then after that, I remember listening to um, 
my true, true heroes, which are, uh, you know, Marty Friedman and Jason Becker. And that's where it just got insane. Cacophony, yeah. Started joining local bands and stuff, and we started to, you know, play music like that. And ended up uh, doing a couple of the Battle of the Bands kind of thing. Yeah. One, one of those, and we ended up getting some free studio time and did a demo tape. And, yeah, it all, uh, it all got crazy after that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a minute here and listen to some of Jeff's band, Nevermore. This is from their album Obsidian Conspiracy. This song is, or this excerpt is from Termination Proclamation. Jeff, you mentioned Ingve a minute ago. First time I saw Ingve Malmsteen was at a club called the Country Club in L.A. Oh, nice! And everybody in the front were guitar players, and uh, <laughs> I had been in the guitar player spotlight column, and next to me was Jennifer Batten in the column, and I'd oh. never met her. And I hear this girl's voice saying, "Hey, Paul, good to meet you." And it was Jennifer, as well as every other guitar player. <laughs> Yeah, so we watched Ingve, and I remember going home after watching him play and just trying to figure out how to pick so fast. And you really have mastered massive speed. I was just looking at a video of you, and you were showing a lick from your song, Jado Unit. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. It's about 160 beats per minute, and I think you're playing 16th note triplets or something. I, you know, I think the the whole trick really is with um, the picking thing is just really, you know, I've noticed so many guitar players try to pick fast using their whole arm, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And it really is not the way to do it. You know, I think pickers like, you know, Paul Gilbert, mm -hmm. and I even watch a lot of like gypsy jazz guitar players, you know, they're using more of their wrist, really, you know, right. and that's the, the key, I think, to really getting good, solid picking momentum is, is just using your wrist. And if you look at Ingve, his right arm is totally relaxed and just resting. Absolutely. And, and he's just using the wrist action there. So that's what I tried to really focus on. And um, yeah, I would have to say that Ingve was the one that really pointed me out in the right direction to um, 
really get fluid picking down. And it's funny because I have a great English story too, man. It's like, mm -hmm. I think everybody does, you know. Yeah. When I first saw him perform, it was on the, the Trilogy Tour, and I was fortunate enough to go and see him play. It was oh. at an outdoor amphitheater called Alpine Valley back in Wisconsin. Was that um, um, with the uh, Richie Blackmore's lead singer? Um, well, he had Jeff Scott Soto, but I think Jeff Scott Soto left at that time. Hmm. And uh, Mark Bowles. I remember Mark Bowles. Right. Yeah. And Mark Bowles was on stage. It's funny because I saw that tour twice. And the first time I saw it in Alpine Valley, Mark Bowles was singing. Then, like, two weeks later, I saw him in Green Bay at the arena, and then Jeff Scott Soto was on stage with him. So it's weird. He he went from singer to singer in a matter of weeks. It was kind of crazy. But um, the funny story is, is um, it was during his main guitar solo, and, uh, of course, everybody's freaking out, but <laughs> the funny thing is, is that there was this guy sitting in front of me. He must have been about 20, 22 or something. I think I was, like, 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. But this guy was crying. <laughs> Really <laughs> crying, like, like, uh, you know, he was just so blown away, man, that he had tears rolling from his eyes, and he was like weeping like a child. <laughs> it was the, an incredible thing to see, dude. And wow. I, I'll never forget that. Wow, just you know, it was blowing people away at that time. You oh know? my gosh, incredible! I have another Ingve story. I was, <laughs> I was at. Let's see, I was watched Ingbe, you know, in a theater, like in Seattle, the Paramount Theater, kind of a theater like that. And I was standing by the mixing console, and this theater, you could buy beer. And I was uh -huh. watching Ingbe just play, and I just couldn't believe it. And then I noticed my, my foot was cold, and I realized I was just pouring beer uh, right out of my glass, right into my shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's too funny, man. That's, um, that's, that's like this, like the, the crazy story of when Billy Gibbons first saw Sean Lane play guitar. He literally, they said he literally fell off his seat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like stories like that where people yeah. are so mind-blowing that you, you kind of just lose all control and you're like, wow. Yeah. God, we really need another guitar player like that again. You know, it's like, it seems like those things just come and go and yeah. it, it happens every 20 years or something like that. But uh, Well, I don't know. I've checked out some of your stuff and it totally blows my <laughs> mind. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm trying to, you know, I try to keep fire lit, I guess, so to speak. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a huge fan of the, uh, the 80s shred era, you know. I, uh, I absolutely love Jason Becker. He's one of my favorite guitar players. He um, was, yeah. You know, and uh, I don't want to say that I copped his style 110%, but I sure have learned a lot from him just watching him growing mm -hmm. up as a guitar player. And I just love the way he plays his instrument. And, um you know, I think feel comes first when it comes to guitar. You know, I always try to do the, the feel thing and just really express myself with my instrument. But, you know, after that, you know, the lightning can come in as well, you know. So it's like huh. uh, I like to combine both of those elements. And yeah. I also use, you know, three different picking styles when I'm playing guitar, too. I use economy picking, mm -hmm. um, picking plus legato, and also alternate picking. So using yeah. all three of those things, you can really make your style more diverse kind of shoot for that as well yeah. yeah i kind of divide up styles that way too um by the way it's they're picked like legato <laughs> sweet picking and alternate picking right i just was wondering if you use a metronome a lot i'll bet you do um i i used to i used to quite a bit you know more than using a metronome i sometimes when i'm composing songs or just playing a general riff where I'm working on my picking technique, lots of times rather than using a metronome, which get, get quite boring, I, I program a drum beat. Oh, I yeah. Drum, but I'll just program uh -huh. a simple beat, 
and just use that to even get more groove going into it. And I'll just use that to warm up with a riff or um, even playing a pattern or something like that. Ah, yeah. That rather than just using a regular metronome. With the Boss drum machines, there's a bass part you can program too. Do you do you ever do that? Dude, I have been, you're not going to believe this, but my secret weapon and my secret tool for the last 10 years now, I think, you're going to probably freak out on this, is my, my lovely Boss ER5. Ah. <laughs> I've, I've been using this drum machine forever, and if you listen to a song off my solo record, if you listen to the song Miles of Machines, uh-huh. You hear the whole uh, arpeggio section in the beginning. Yep. I actually composed that whole thing on the DR5. And it's just awesome because it's laid out like a guitar fretboard. And, you know, you can get all sorts of different, you know, synth sounds and piano sounds. And it's a killer drum machine. And literally, it's just been part of my, like, compositional tool for, you know, for 10 years now. So I've been using this thing forever. Wow. The- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays we have the DR670, and that has the buttons laid out like a bass also. That's right. the newer model. Right. Let's check out Miles and Machines from Jeff's Zero Order Phase solo album. This is the intro section that Jeff said that he wrote on his Boss DR drum machine. This concludes the first segment of the 24th edition of Boss Tone Radio. Stay tuned for the second segment. We'll pick up where we left off on the interview with Jeff. And we're going to find out more stuff, um, including about Jeff's gear and secrets about playing really good like him. Stay tuned to this 24th edition of Boss Tone Radio. (laughs) 